I'm always asked this question, if there's one thing I'd want companies to think about uh, when it comes to a successful product launch, and I would tell you it's this, is most companies do not define what success looks like for a launch. They don't quantify it. They don't put a time frame around it. They just keep throwing stuff at it until something sticks. Welcome to the Blind Spots Podcast. This show is designed to help marketers and researchers understand just how to address blind spots in key go-to-market areas through primary research efforts. This podcast is brought to you by DoubleCheck Research, an established leader in win-loss and churn research and analysis with a mission to help clients improve their win rates by turning buyer insights into competitive advantage. My name's Ryan Sorley. I'm a founder, a researcher, a soon-to-be author, a husband to one and a dad to three, and your grateful and humble podcast host. Each show, I will engage with marketing, sales, product, and competitive intelligence experts in the B2B technology space in meaningful and thought-provoking conversations with actionable strategies on how to help product marketers and those with a love for research drive value across their organizations. Product launches can be quite challenging, especially if you're a product marketer. Without the right planning, success metrics, and communication plan in place, unfortunately, launches can fail. Today's guest, Dave Daniels, is a product launch whisperer. After spending over a dozen years at Pragmatic Institute, Dave's latest venture, Braincraft, aims to raise the product launch bar. Listen as Dave reviews the do's and don'ts of a successful product launch on this episode of Blind Spots. So Dave, tell me a little bit about your your journey to this point. I, you know, we we met each other a number of times at different mm-hmm. product marketing community events, which have been awesome over the years. And I had the uh, I was fortunate enough a number of times to see you present uh, prior to the pandemic. And now you're with Braincraft or have launched a new a new organization focused on helping organizations with product launches. So let me like let's take it back a little bit. Tell me yeah. a little bit a little bit about your journey and, and what brought you to this point. Okay, so if I go way back, I actually started in my career as a developer. So I actually coded and and managed development teams. And I I managed to get from different position to different position inside a software company, several software companies, and eventually getting into product management and then into product marketing. And, and, you know, it it wasn't like I had a a plan, you know, with a list and say, do this, do this, do that. So eventually I got to a point where I was running a company uh, for a small private equity firm and we did an acquisition and it was clear to me that it wasn't something I wanted to continue to do. They said, you know what, you've got seven months on your contract, do what you want to do. And I created this thing called Launch Clinic. And Launch Clinic was exactly what you just described. It was uh, a way to help people launch their products. I got started and Launch Clinic seemed to be doing reasonably well. I got on the radar of of, uh, what was pragmatic marketing at the time. And that led to discussions, which led to an acquisition. And that's how I came to be at pragmatic marketing. And and I spent a little over uh, 12 years at pragmatic, Uh, was a course developer, um, was a uh, subject matter expert on the product marketing side of their curriculum. And that, you know, last year, it was time for me to move on again. So I moved on 
I decided to to do something again. I said, well, what, you know, let me do something around launch, go-to-market strategy. So what was born out of that was BrainCraft. And so today, BrainCraft is focusing on helping companies uh, institute systems and processes that help them launch products successfully. And we do that with three things. So think about it as three, three legs of the stool. One, there's a framework, and that framework is sort of that structure that gives you the, the, the backbone of, of how you approach a launch. The second is learning. So how do I take this structure and apply it? So the learning takes you know literally decades of experience and thousands and thousands of individuals that I've worked with and puts it in essentially in a bottle. So here's how you launch product. And so uh, it walks it through step-by-step step, um, with the framework as the backdrop. And then the third leg of that stool is, all right, how do I apply this to my company? How do I tailor it to fit what we do and the customers we serve and the rhythms of our business? And so that is what we do. We help companies launch their products successfully. Sometimes that launch means launching an existing product into a new market. Sometimes that means taking an old product off the shelf, blowing off the dust, and re reintroducing it to the market. So, so when you when you think about product launch, um, I guess the, you know the question is, it, but why do products launches fail? There's a number of reasons, and I and I certainly have a, a short little three minute video on the Braincraft website on it. But I'll just give you the the shorter <laughs> version of it, and that is, they fail either because you don't have the right product, right? Um, and you don't discover that until you've invested all the time and energy to get the product into the market and then find out that it doesn't satisfy anyone's needs. Uh, that's part of it. Another part of it is the biggest one. And I'm always asked this question, if there's one thing I'd want companies to think about uh, when it comes to a successful product launch, and I would tell you it's this, is most companies do not define what success looks like for a launch. They don't quantify it. They don't put a time frame around it. They just keep throwing stuff at it until something sticks. And there's no like guiding parameters of what winning looks like. So that's another one. The other one is coordination and communication. I think if, if even if you had a really good product and you had uh, really good launch objectives defined, the, the thing that throws people off is they do a really poor job of communicating to their launch team, uh, to their stakeholders. Uh, they lack coordination. So Ryan, maybe in your department, you like to use Asana. In my department, we like to use Jira. And somewhere else, they like to use another product. And we have all these different disparate products that aren't talking to each other. And it's really hard as the as the launch director, as I call them, to try to keep track of what, what is all going on. And, um, and then even if you do have a really good execution or really good coordination and everybody's on the same page, is when it's time, when it's go time and you're, you're launching the product, execution really matters. You know, are, are we staying focused on the things that we thought were really important or, or are, we, are we letting things distract us from what the, what the big objective is and we get pulled in different directions? Great. Uh, that's super helpful. And 
I, I know we're going to get into this in a little bit more detail. You know, the, the audience for blind spots are product marketers, uh, competitive intelligence managers. But the, the idea behind the podcast is to help those folks understand how they can leverage research and data to make decisions. Yeah. So when you, when you think about product launches, what type of research and data do you recommend organizations tap into or collect hmm. uh, to help inform the product launch process? Yeah, there's a, there's a number of things that, that you need insight on. Uh, the degree of the and quantity of the data is subjective from, for a lot of people, but it's basically finding patterns in the data. But there's, there's a number of things that people need to know in order to have a successful product launch. What they, they have to know who's, who's my ideal customer. So who am I going after? Why did we build the product? For whom did we build the product for? And all of this requires research, especially if you're launching your first product. So who are my customers? What are the qualities? Of, what are the attributes that I can use to identify them? How do they act, feel, think? Right? And then use the research on your customers to guide you to your market segments. I like to look at that way, not the other way around. So what we look for in market segments are things like, well, how big are they? Are they growing? Are they shrinking? Are they underserved, overserved, adequately served? How do people in this market segment make a buying decision? Who's involved in making the buying decision? What motivates them to, to consider a purchase, right? So what is the what are the drivers behind why? And also to map out how they make a buying decision, right? So what is the buying criteria that they care about? And it doesn't have to be a multi-year project. It's just enough to get a starting point so that you can put down roots and use ongoing proactive research that you get in your business to feed into that and refine it. So the other thing that market segments lead you to is what's the competitive landscape look like? I know we all like to think about competitors as who else makes a product like we do, but that's the wrong way to look at it. The right way to look at it is who else can solve this problem and how do they go about solving it? It could be with services. It could be with education. It could be um, with uh, skills development. It could be with technology. It could be multiple pieces of technology. So you really have to get in the heads of buyers and go, what is it that would they consider? And then based on that, then look at that as your competitive landscape. The third, the one, two, three, fourth thing that leads into uh, which, which research is required is once you have an understanding of who your customer is, what segments they're in, so where do I find them and who are the competitors, then and only then are you equipped to develop your positioning. So what's my position to be competitive? What's my winning zone? How do I articulate my unique value proposition? What is my unique value proposition? I recently published an article in my blog on unique value propositions. And one of the things that I often get asked is, so how do I figure that out? It's questions you have to add in your and your win-loss interview boilerplate, you know, however you go about doing it, but two questions you need to slip in there. And one question is, so what do you think was special about us? And you got to use the word special. It's really important to use the word special. 
And when they tell you what that special thing is, then you have to follow on with the question of why was that important to you? And, and between those two questions, asking enough people, you're going to see a pattern that leads you to in people in that market segment view our unique value proposition as X. You can also use the same questions about your competitors. So if you've lost a deal, what was special about them? Why was that important to you? And they're nice open-ended questions, which could lead to a lot of dialogue. So um, you guys are really great at, at, at conducting these interviews. So I'm sure you could go to town on, on those two questions. They're really uh, open-ended, right? And, and that we would start to break down, well, what, what's special about the solution or the, the offering? What's special right. about the process? What's special about the company? You know, what's special about their go-to-market messaging and who their clients are? So yes, we would, we would go to town with, with questions like that and go probe quite deep into different areas. So that's, that's quite helpful. And, and when you were kind of going through that whole thought process around collecting data to help inform your, your product launch decision, I guess the, the, the question that, that I have is around, like, how do you know, I guess there's two ways to look at it. Um, you're creating, you're, you're responding to demand or, or you're creating demand, right? With your product launch, mm -hmm. you're, you've launched the first iPhone. Um, people don't know it's a need. It's latent at this point. That's probably quite a different process than, you know, you're responding to to demand. So is there is there kind of a, a different mindset or approach when you are um, filling a gap that exists that's a, a known gap versus you're kind of creating a whole new space with your product? Yeah, yeah. Um, years ago, and and feel free everybody to to use this analogy because it's simple. Everyone can understand it. So my boss sat me down, we're launching a new product. And he said, Dave, is this, is this a new product in an existing aisle of the grocery store? Or are you asking the grocer to create a new aisle in the store? And of course I was, you know, I was young buck and I'm like, cool. And this is awesome. This is a new product. I'm like, uh, we're going to ask him to you know, create a new aisle in the grocery store. I went, are you sure you want to do that? I'm like, well, yeah, it's going to be awesome. And he, and then he just stepped me through how hard that is. I mean, you're asking somebody to change their store, their layout. Um, they may not have room. You know, there's all these little analogies he was using. And so when I, when I tell people about, uh, you know, about launching something new, that's the first question I want them to ask. I want them to answer, which is, are we creating a new aisle or are we going to be an existing aisle? And, I, and then when they, when they go down the path of, oh, we're disruptors, we're changing the world and we're going to make the world a better place and all that, I go, all right, so if you're going to do that, it's going to be costly and take a lot of resources and, and it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. But if you could tap into an existing aisle where yep. people are already shopping Mm -hmm. They and they see you as a new option in a category, they're more likely to you're more likely to get their attention. And then maybe at a later time it makes sense for you to create a separate aisle. And and you see the light bulbs go off. And it's it's like, you know, I use the example many years ago when cars were first coming out, they didn't call them automobiles. 
They called them horseless carriages because they were tapping into something people already knew. I got a carriage. I got horses. How can I do this without a horse? I'm intrigued. Let me know. So horseless carriage. That's great. That's that's uh, that helps ground the the discussion a little bit. There's there are the you know demand creators, and then there's the the kind of demand shapers, and then there's the responding to demand type type people. So that's helpful. And it sounds like each each product launch uh, associated with the different scenarios might be slightly different, at least from a consideration perspective. That's right. And the yeah the the mental process around launching that. So that's that's quite helpful. And, and of course, the financial commitment and the resource commitment. You may find that you, there are three really good market segments you could target, target with the launch of your product. And one might, one might be, you know, there's lots of people, pent up demand, they're ready to go. Another market segment might be one where you go, it's still too new and we're going to have to be patient and it'll pay off maybe in a year or two years. And then the third, and but it's the biggest overall opportunity. And a third one you might discover is just wildly overserved by existing customers. And you may just drop that one. Just say, forget it. Don't even focus on it. If, if, if we get one and they want to buy, okay, we'll take their money. But Let's not spend any energy there because it's way too crowded and there's just too much option for existing customers to choose from. So let's not add to the noise. Let's go somewhere where we can create the noise. So I'm going to jump around a little bit from a, a workflow perspective, but we recently had a gentleman by the name of Kyle Poyer from OpenView yeah, uh, Venture Partners on the show. Yeah. So yeah. he's a big proponent of product-led growth. And recognizing that PLG doesn't necessarily happen at the beginning of product launch, but it happens throughout the life of the product to, to make improvements to, to the offering. Yeah, I guess no. where, where does product <clears throat> where does product launch end is the question. You know, right. if, if at all ever. Yeah. Uh, well, launch a, a, any given product launch has to have a a boundary in time. It doesn't go on forever. You you okay. you set an objective. The objective has to have a metric, a quantity, and a time frame, and a, like any good objective. So it's measurable, and we know we're trying to get something within a certain period of time. Uh, PLG is an interesting example, product-led growth, because it's more of a business model. So it's it's less of something tied to launch per se, but it's more, uh, more, more non-exclusively, and Kyle will tell you this, any business can become PLG. But a lot of them are SaaS software companies. You know, log in, sign up, get it for free, limited capability, and at some point in the future, you know, you convert to a paying customer. Now, the one area, so I'm, 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 uh, I'm working, as you know, Ryan, I'm working on a book. I'm writing a book on product launch, and I just got the comps on the book cover, so I'm super excited. But one of the things that came out of over a hundred interviews so far is the challenges that companies have that are in a continuous delivery model, mostly SaaS, well, they're SaaS software companies, right? And so development is building something, it's continuous integration, continuous delivery, boom, boom, stuff keeps getting pumped out, pumped out and pumped out. And when do we launch? Do we launch? Uh, I had several people I interviewed that said, you know, 
come to think of it, I don't think we actually ever really launched. I think we got the product done and we said, here it is, everybody. I hope you like it. It's not like we ever stopped and said, ta-da, here's some new stuff. We just keep pushing <laughs> right. stuff out. And some have changed. They, they are, several of them I spoke to said, well, we, that was nuts. Uh, it was great. It built the company, but now we're on a cadence. Twice a year, we launch. So we queue up everything and then we go bang. And then we say, look at all the new stuff we created for you. And we do it twice a year. And there's lots of reasons that we don't have time to go into why they did that, but they're business reasons and they're good business reasons. And I'm not, a, I'm not at all anti-continuous delivery. I think it's fantastic. I'm just saying you got you got to balance continuous delivery with the ability to make hay in the market and create some excitement. Great. Thank you. That that was uh, that makes a lot of sense. The the next question is is back to to the the idea of, of the process, right? The workflow associated yeah. with with launch. And how would you for the audience describe like, you know, walk me through like you start here, this is the first thing you do, then you move Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. So uh, That's okay. You know, That's okay. The, the first donut is really focused on organizing your launch team, getting the right people in place, making sure everyone's roles are understood. And then also it's about understanding just sort of basic understanding of are we launching a brand new product into a new market or is this just an incremental change to an existing product in an existing market? And I refer to that as assessing initial launch risk. Then we move on to setting launch objectives, which starts with, you know, I have to understand what my stakeholders' expectations are, and then normalize all of those expectations, which may not be aligned, into a set of uh, launch objectives. I'm a big fan of using objectives and key results, OKRs, for launch because OKRs are fantastic for cross-functional projects, and a launch certainly is that. And then as we go out of that, we understand what we're trying to accomplish with this launch. Um, there's some, there's the, the need to identify who's our target customer, do some evaluation of why them and not others, use that understanding of customers to guide us to market segments, use market segments to help us understand what people care about and what they don't and what the buying decision looks like, so the buyer's journey. Um, use the, the guardrails of of a market segment to help us identify the competitive landscape within a market segment. Not every competitor competes in every market segment that you're going to compete in, so you might be surprised. Now that I know that, then I get into left brain, light, right brain process of positioning. Uh, too often we think of positioning as messaging, but it's much, much more than that. It, there is a rigor around that, and I do have a, a uh, a framework to help cover that, some messaging framework. The other consideration is, is advantages and obstacles. So a reminder to everybody planning a product launch is you will always have advantages, you will always have obstacles. The important thing is to not overinflate your advantages and not underestimate your obstacles. Right. We use them as a point of realism. So obstacles are things you need to remove and advantages are things you need to leverage. So this is a learning process through the launch. You're going to discover new obstacles. You're going to discover new advantages as you learn more, just add to that body. 
Once we have that in play, we're ready to start thinking about a launch strategy. And so I have six ways to think about it. And then, then that leads us to what most people refer to as readiness. I, I call prepare, and that is how do we prepare our organization, our market, and our partners for launch. So build uh, identifying readiness gaps, building plans to close those readiness gaps. And then the next part is once we say go and get the thing out the door, the next thing to think about is acceleration. So taking metrics that we built throughout the planning process and start tracking those metrics to see if we're heading toward our launch objective or not and make adjustments accordingly. And then at the end, we have a retrospective. I think I have it as review now. And the review is just to sit down and say what worked and what didn't, what should we do differently? What should we stop doing? And who, who are our real heroes in this launch, right? Who, who were the standouts, individuals and organizations? So it's, it's time to stop and breathe and learn and document before we're off to the next launch. That was wonderful. Uh, and it gives us a really great high level overview. Of course, if people want to go into deep detail, they can reach out to you, visit your website, sign up for one of your uh, your training sessions. Let me just dig into a couple of the areas that you had had mentioned here. When you think through, you mentioned a couple of different solutions earlier uh, to make sure people are on the same page as it relates to the tools they're using. You mentioned Asana, you mentioned Jira. What are the tools that you see most successful organizations leverage to make sure Product launches go smoothly. Uh, I don't have a recommendation on any one of them. I think everybody struggles to a certain degree. Uh, and the larger the organization, uh, the bigger the struggle. Because different parts of the organization are different, using different tool sets. And it seems like the only common denominator they have is something like email or Slack or Teams and, it, you know, et al. So here, here is the lowest common denominator that I've found that works. I borrowed it from someone else. I, I want to admit that. Uh, expanded on it a little bit, but it's using Kanban boards. Anybody can use a Kanban board, but here's the trick, everybody. You can set up Kanban boards for each functional area on the launch team. And the cool thing is, is you can, as long as the boards have the same lists in them, then you can roll it up. So you can always have a roll-up view of the entire launch, the entire project. For my software development friends who use Scrum, it's, it's kind of like having a Scrum of Scrums. Those who know that will, will understand it. <laughs> and so the idea there is that I don't, I don't want to have to go to you and everybody else on my launch team to find out what the status is. If, if something's blocked, I would love to be able to just log in and go to the, the board and say, show me all of, the, all of the tasks that are blocked across the entire launch. And you can do that with Jira. You can do it with uh, Demand Metric has a really good uh, board that, that is actually, I think, a little easier than Jira. Jira is more technically oriented. Others may be able to do that as well. I, I, I have not confirmed that with Asana. So any of our friends from Asana who, who are getting what we're saying, then you know, reach out to us. I'd love to talk to you. Yeah, we, we're big users of Kanban boards here through uh, Trello, another Atlassian yeah, tool. That works. Like, just like Jira. 
here's a little plug for Jira Align, the enterprise level solution that is quite comprehensive and, and impressive. So that that's great. And then when you think about the uh, people who do product launch well, you, you you know certain consumer companies come to mind, you know, as, as yeah. creating a big buzz <clears throat> around it. But what about on the B two B tech side? When you, because I know that's primarily who, yeah. who you work with, who I work with. So who who does that really well um, on the B two B side? W- without without naming any any names, the the there are only what I would call a handful of companies that do this well, and those that do it well have a certain cadence and rigor to what they do, the kind of cadence and rigor that would drive an early stage company crazy because they would see it as too bureaucratic. Uh, but there comes a point in time where you know, in a B2B world, uh, B2B customers don't want to have change every two days. They, they don't want to come in on Monday to find out that the app has changed and now it's disrupting the, the workflow of their business. So it they really these companies have learned that they they have to modulate to how much change their customers can accept and how much change their internal organizations can adapt to. So it, it means that if a customer calls a sales rep about a certain feature that they they discovered in the product, that the sales rep can go, I know what that is, and I will connect you to the right person who can help you with that. There's no surprises in customer success. So there's a certain maturity to their business that makes it more practical for them. And they see the business upside of that cadence uh, as opposed to, hey, it's done, get it out. Hey, it's done, get it out, which I might do in an earlier stage company because I'm I'm scrapping for every piece of business I'm trying to grow my product as quickly as I can to be as feature rich and functional as possible. But the bigger companies don't do that. You know, they have a base of business. They they don't want to upset the Apple cart. They have a respectful relationship with their customers and they don't want to damage that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I have a because a few more topics I'd love to, to, I know we're kind of getting close to time to yeah. double click on with you. You mentioned earlier that you're writing a book. Can you tell us a little bit about that book? Yeah, the, the, the working title of the book is um, The Essential Guide to Product Launch. And it's basically the things that we've been talking about. The Braincraft Product Launch Framework is the, the structure for the book. Uh, I've conducted over 100 interviews with a variety of people, and I may do even more interviews, but I think I have enough patterns now. Uh, One of the big uh, takeaways of my interviews was launching in uh, continuous delivery organizations, so that that added a chapter. Um, But the idea there is that if you weren't going to take the class, you could buy the book. How's that? Right, so it... It walks you through in a very practical, step-by-step fashion, shows you the tools, um, gives you the methods, uh, and then also some of the the questions that you need to have answered. So uh, what I tried to do is make it so that I was there with you and you know giving you guidance along the way so that you know you could be the hero and not me. 
Good. Well, uh, I'm excited to to read it when it comes out. And do you have an idea of when it will be available? Uh, I'm shooting on the spot. No, I'm shooting for first quarter. How's that for a roadmap? All right. So <laughs> that's good. That's Q1 good 2022. I like that. So the last question I have for you today, Dave, is as you look back uh, across your career and all of the things that you've accomplished and done, how do you want to be remembered? You know, what are the what is the the impact that you want to have made at the end of the day? That is a really great question. I've had the great privilege of probably teaching more product marketing managers in the industry than anybody that I know. I, I, I'm sure there's some that maybe have taught more, but I mean, at last count, it's been over 8,000. It could be over 10,000, but it's a lot of people and a lot of companies. And what I hope is I, I hope I'm remembered as I was willing to help them when they needed help. They were successful because of what they got from me. And they can look back fondly on that and say, you really helped me in my career. That, that's, that's what I'd like to be remembered for. And that was Dave Daniels, product launch whisperer and founder of BrainCraft. For more great product launch information, including access to Dave's product launch framework and all of his online courses, shoot over to braincraft.com. That's brain, K-R-A-F-T.com. And if you enjoyed this show, tell a friend or two. And as always, thanks for listening.